This gentleman has had two nine-figure exits. And if you don't know what that means, it means you build something sell it to someone for nine figures. Chris Lee, what's happening, brother? Oh man, excited to be here. I grew up in a household where my dad was a school teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom with seven kids, so we didn't have a lot of money. In 2000, fall of 2008, I started my own business. Anybody that's familiar with the economy, that obviously wasn't a great year to start a business. My father-in-law invested a million dollars into our business. Oh, wow. And my dad invested 200 grand. You said your, it was your father-in-law that gave you the million. Yeah. And your dad gave you the 200,000. What was the issue? What was the issue? I'll tell you what the issue is when you lose it. I remember walking up to him and saying, dude, I lost it all. It's gone. What did he say when you had to tell him? It's gone. My father-in-law did not take it well. The one thing I'll never forget is is the way that my the way that my dad handled it. Two hundred thousand to him at that point of his life was worth way more than a million dollars was to my my father-in-law. He said, "Son, I know you'll make it right." He said, "I believe in you." Immediately, as I was filing bankruptcy, I was out on the doors knocking in snow. Most guys never build enterprise enterprise value because they rob the company to fulfill their own self-interest. What are some of the things that need to be considered when we start talking about an exit? So first and foremost, you have to have a proper organization, right? Something that can scale without you, right? Operate without you. If your business is solely centered on you, you ain't selling that thing. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. We find dope people that do dope stuff, man. And today is no different. Uh, this is going to be a personal coaching session for me. So if it seems like I'm only asking questions that pertain to my life, just, just get over it, okay? Because <laughs> this gentleman has had two nine-figure exits. And if you don't know what that means, it means you build something and sell it to someone for nine figures, not including the point zero zero, not the change part, just yeah, that's right. nine figures. Chris Lee, what's happening, brother? Oh, man, excited to be here. Oh, my gosh, man. When you were telling me yesterday, we're at Aspire Conference, and when you were telling me all about the amazing things that you do, first off, the founder podcast, yeah. it's incredible. It's always in the, in the top-ranking business podcast because I watch them all because I'm trying to catch them all. And uh, I'm having a hard time catching yours, okay, because you guys are killing it. Um, but you have had an amazing journey as an entrepreneur. It's been a fun one, man. Long, long road, but been a fun one. Uh, how long have you been an entrepreneur? So I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life from a standpoint of, you know, make my own check, right? So I got into sales early on and uh, was always hustling to, to make a buck no matter what. Yeah. Initially, I uh, wanted to be a doctor. And uh, that was that was my lifelong goal because I grew up in a household where my dad was a school teacher. My mom was a stay at home mom with seven kids. So we didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And uh, but my mom's dad was a doctor. And so like he was like the one example in my life of having money. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, man, I want to be I want to I want that. Right. And I thought it was cool that he was helping people and and doing those type of things. So um I wanted money, wanted to help people. So like age six, I decided I was going to be a doctor. I like scheduled my whole life to be able to do that. You know, I, as a junior in high school, I tested out of high school and took two years of college. Uh, my junior and senior year of high school, still played high school sports, but attended uh, the local community college. And it was all in preparation to, to go and 
become a medical doctor. And so that was, that was the direction. But, uh, you know, the first, the first time in my life when I realized that I could create value in an hour versus just trade my time for an hour was when I was 18 years old. Um, I'd been working as a paper boy for nine years and, uh, that, yeah. So I started had my first job at nine mm -hmm. and, uh, because the rule in our house, cause my dad, well, that sounds illegal <laughs> in, in today's society, probably, <laughs> you know, but, uh, uh, the rule in our house was at age 12, you had to provide everything but underwear and food on the table. Mm. And so, you know, my parents made sure we had socks and underwear. You know, yeah. if we wanted shoes, if we wanted clothes, we had to go and do it ourselves. We want to do anything outside the house. It was up to us. Like that. And uh, it was cool because, you know, my dad taught us discipline. Um, he was actually, he was only making, you know, 55, 60 grand a year, but he was investing half his paycheck. And because we were a bunch of little little uh, ch children soldiers, you know, out mm -hmm. there working, and uh, he was investing half his paycheck. Yeah, crazy. In what? Well, into in the stock market, you know, just four hundred one k. Right. You know, Did he tell you all that? Um, he, he told us. Yeah, yeah, he told he told us that growing up. You know, he didn't. He wasn't a smart investor, but he was a disciplined investor, right? And and so that's that's one thing I learned from my dad. He was cheap as as cheap can be. <laughs> you know, uh, like. Literally, growing up, I went to two sit-down restaurants ever. Really? Yeah. It was on, like, my 12th birthday and my 16th birthday. And that's and when that happened, it was only us and our parents. No other, none of the other kids got to come. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then if we were going to a restaurant, it was, you know, McDonald's dollar menu, and yeah. we were limited to a dollar. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, we're talking, like, lentil soup. Like, I mean, that we, we grew up cheap, 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 but we had a great life, man. I mean, my, my parents always found a good deal in a house and we had a nice, you know, yard, played a lot of sports. But uh, when I was 18 years old, um, I saw an ad at the little uh, local college where I was attending school and it said, make at least $13 an hour. Oh, amazing. I'm like, at least 13. <laughs> what, what is this at least thing? <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, it was uh, selling Cutco knives. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I signed up, did the whole class. You know, they make you seem like they're narrowing down the group, but it's just reality. People are just quitting. Right. Uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, you, right, you are right. the man. You are the person that made it through the training. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So I go and, and I, and I start selling Cutco knives to like all of my family and friends and, and I can go into like a farm, uh, farm wife's house, walk out with a check for 1200 bucks. And I was making 25% of that. Oh, wow. And I'm like, man, I made $300 in the last hour. Like this is, this is the coolest thing ever. Way better than a paper. This boy. is way better <laughs> than like the $2 a day I'm making delivering right. newspapers, you know? And so that's when like things really started to like shift for me. Like, man. If I just create value, I, I can change like my skill set for money rather than my hours and time for money. And so that's kind of where, where it all started. Um, but then I, I went and I, I served a two-year mission for my church. Okay. And uh, as missionaries, we don't get paid, but we knock a lot of doors. Where'd you, you go? Oklahoma. Got, but the church was where? So, uh, so, the way, the way, so the way in our church works is they'll send, they send missionaries all over the world. So I grew up in Washington State, and I got sent sent to Oklahoma, and they randomly send you. You don't yeah. get a choice. And so, like, really? my, yeah, my brother went to Honduras. My other brother went to Chile, uh, you know, South America. Uh, you know, so, like, 
Oh, what church is this? The uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Gotcha. A lot okay. of people know us as the Mormons. Okay, okay, right? gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, white gotcha. shirt and tie, right? You've seen them. You've seen them. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, so they'll just, they'll just say, hey, you go. I mean, you obviously go. you have to have yeah. a certain wanting to. Yeah, yeah. So you actually submit like an application, mm-hmm. and they say, hey, we're going to send you to this spot. Yeah. And you're there for two years with people you don't know. And, uh, I mean, it's a complete unique experience. You're, you're in a companionship and you trade companions all the time. Somebody you've never met before. You're, you're forced to live and work with them. And does uh, the church set up a a place for y'all to live? Um, yeah, but you're paying for it. So like I paid for my mission. So Mm. I had to save up $10,000 before my mission. And which back in that day, $10,000 was everything I had. Uh, right. It's tough to have that now. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I, I, and that's one of the reasons I had a job at the age of nine as I was saving for my mission. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I basically gave the church 10,000 bucks. They helped provide housing and everything else, but it was basically to support me during my mission. Mm. And so that's, that's the way it works. And uh, you're out there voluntarily. No, no women. You can't date. You can't do anything. I write letters home. That was yeah. it. Call my parents twice a year kind of crazy so but what that taught me was just like some very unique skills of like going and building relationships solving problems serving people right uh without expectation of receiving anything in in return and so that was like literally the the foundation that like the rest of my career was was built off of Mm. um but yeah so then i came home got sorry real quick are you able to work during the two years no You save up the 10,000, give it to your church, and you say, The next two years are yours. I give my life to these, yeah. this mission. And what is it? Um, I guess like knocking on doors. You're knocking something. on doors, sharing the message of Jesus, yeah. serving people. Um, you know, we would do like service home and like or service in like old folks' homes, mm-hmm. uh, go to like the local Goodwill, help yeah. like package stuff. I mean, just all, just service. Teaching people about Christ, baptizing people. And, and how old are you at this time? Uh, 19. Oh, wow. That's so, like the, the peak of your sin. You should yeah, be. Right. You know, in college, 19. Yeah. You feel me? Which is probably a really good experience right. that it could have. Where, yeah, it. most most people are out like partying, yeah, having a good time at college sure. or whatnot, and really not moving forward in life. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, like, the, the shift is like, man, I go and dedicate two years to God. Yeah. Right. And like, really tithe my time. Right, like ten percent of my time, uh, of my life up until that point. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just it was really foundational experience that like, okay, my focus is going to be on God. That's always first for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I came home off my mission, married my high school sweetheart two and a half months later. Wow, you know, two years while I'm gone, I could only write her letters. Couldn't even talk to her on the phone. Man, and uh, so that that was a unique experience as well. So we got married. I was 21. She was uh, just turned 20. Uh, we started having kids right away. We have five beautiful children now. Oh, wow. um, so, but the as far as the career was concerned, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. So I started going back to college, got into my senior year, decided I didn't want to go to school for the rest of my, until I was 35, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, socialized medicine really scared me mm-hmm. uh, and going, to, going down that route. And so- I decided, uh, and during this time, I I would go to school during the year, and then I would knock doors during the summers selling product. Cutco? Uh, no. So initially, I sold pest control. Gotcha. One one summer, 
my first summer, I went out for three months, three months and one week and I made $65,000 selling. Wow. Yeah. And so, and I thought, man, dude, I just made more than what my dad has ever made in a year. And yeah. I did it in three months and, and I did it pure commission. Right. And, uh, you know, they, they recruit a lot of return missionaries because these guys know how to knock doors, right? Yeah. And so that, that's like, if you go to Utah, Utah is the mecca of door-to-door sales. It's because that's where our church is, like, headquartered out of. So there's just tons of, of these guys. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I did that first summer and where I could go to school and treat school like a job. And I didn't even have a job during the year to support me and my wife because I made all the money in the summer. Yeah. So then the next year I go out, still going to college. I make $105,000 in a summer. <sighs> and I'm just like, dude, I am rich. Oh, like <laughs> I, you know, and I thought I had made it right. Cause I growing up, anybody that grew up in the nineties associate six figures as wealth. Oh, for sure. Right? Like, because in 1991, the top, the top three percent of of society was making a hundred thousand or more. Fast forward to twenty seventeen, the top three percent were making two hundred seventy two thousand dollars a year, right? And so the issue is, is anybody that grew up in the nineties associated wealth with a hundred thousand when it was actually you weren't doing okay until you're making two hundred seventy two thousand dollars a year, mm. you know, which is which is a, a you know big distortion and and it just shows like the the mental limitations that are put on us as children. Yeah, right. And that explains a lot too because somebody, how old are you? Right now? I'm thirty nine. Thirty. Oh my gosh, I feel so insignificant. <laughs> Don't compare, man. I'll be thirty nine Friday, and like <laughs> it's like dang, so much further ahead. <laughs> But it, it, it makes sense, though, because now in our, our culture, our society, it's like, oh, I got to make six figures. I got to make six figures. But that was 15 years ago. Yes. Right? So, and when you get to six figures, you're like, oh, my gosh, I made $100,000. Most people don't even realize they made 100000 so right. they start counting it. Right. Then you realize, yo, I'm still poor. I'm still poor. <laughs> I'm still poor. Man. <laughs> Wow, that, but yeah, man. Sure. So I, you know, I did that in 2000, uh, that was 2007 uh, that I made 105,000. I thought I was rich. You know, I went and bought a house and bought a car, you know, thought, did all the things that society told me to do. Yeah. Still attending school, still planning on being a very rich doctor. Right. Um, until I decided, man, this, if I can make this much money in a summer, what could I do if I actually concentrated on like building a business? Yeah. And so I dropped out of that program and I, and I took all the prereqs to get into the entrepreneur side of, of the school, got in, did it for about a semester. And then I dropped out, dropped out with 165 credits to my name. Um, no degree. Hold on. How many you need? 120. Oh, so you just had a whole bunch just not in the right. Just not in the right spot. Wow. Yep. And you know, a lot of people are like, oh, just, just like go and make, put it towards something. And, and the thing, thing that for me, education has never been a piece of paper. Right. I loved my time at college. Like, I, I really think I, I learned a lot. And and that's the important thing is like I got everything I needed to learn. And so then I dropped out. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't need a piece of paper to tell me that you're now educated. I like that. Right? And so for me, like education is just like pursue it however it comes in so many different ways. And, you know, I've since then I've spent over a million dollars on my personal education outside mm -hmm. of college and uh, doing doing different things. But um but yeah, so I so I dropped out of dropped out of college to start my very first business, and it was a home security business in the door to door space. And so, where'd you uh, get that idea? Well, that's the those that was the company. So in two thousand seven, I worked for a company make, and I made one hundred five thousand dollars selling home security systems. 
And I was like, got it. And so then the next summer in 2008, I worked again with them. And meanwhile, plotting to start my own. I'm like, I'm entrepreneurial. I want to go and do it. I already know, you know, typical employee mindset. I know how all this works. I can go and do this, you know? And, and so just thinking, thinking I had it all figured out. Yeah. This fool is just taking all the money off the top, making all the profits. I'm out here slaving on the doors. I deserve this. Yeah. Right. And so, so I, in 2000, fall of 2008, I start my own business. And, uh, anybody that's familiar with the economy, that obviously wasn't a great year to start a business. Yeah. Right. And so, and where do where do I go? I'm like, man, let's let's raise some money. Let's compete against these fools, you know. And like in that space, it's a very competitive. It's almost like a athlete uh, type environment. Like these door to door guys are viewed viewed as athletes. No, no joke. Like they're signing bonuses. Like in our industry, there's like been million dollar signing bonuses. Like just to hey, come over to our really? team. Oh, dude, it's crazy. No. People outside of that industry would never understand the amount of money, the amount of craziness, the amount of drama that goes on in, in the door to door space. It's nuts. So hold on, door to door is still a thing today. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And people get signing bonuses. Mm -hmm. to signing to signing bonuses have, have died off over the last like five or six years because a lot of companies got just screwed yeah. over it. But. 10, 15 years ago, man, it was alive and kicking. Like I had a divisional manager that got paid $3 million to bring his whole division over, you know? Um, so like, so that, that kind of, that was the environment that I was in and I was a very competitive person. I, I the thing I loved about door to door. So I grew up playing sports, you know, we won a state championship in football and different things like that. And like, so like this was a way for me to be able to compete and get paid. I'm yeah. like, this is awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and so when we started our business, I went and I raised money. And the two people that I knew well that I could probably convince to give me money was my dad, mm -hmm. who had invested all of his money in the stock market, and my father-in-law, who was a pretty successful dairy farmer. And so I go and I show him the spreadsheet. Look, we're already rich. Look, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheet millionaire. Right. And uh, I'm like, give me your money. And so... Yeah, uh, my father-in-law invested a million dollars into our business. Oh wow! And my dad invested two hundred grand. There's a lot of things you can do with five hundred dollars. I mean, you can have a night out with your significant other. You could buy some really expensive shoes. Well, really nice shoes are about double five hundred dollars. Um, you could buy a course, or you can learn something for five hundred dollars. But I have something better for you to do with the five hundred dollars. I want to meet with you every single morning for the rest of your life. Well, maybe not the rest of your life, but every morning, Monday through Friday for the rest of the year, I have information and game that have allowed me to build a successful business, business, a successful community and a successful life all the way around. But I want to share that with you. But the only way we can accomplish this is not me selling you a course, not me giving you a one-on-one -on -one consultation, because even with that, you'll get the information, but you'll need more. I want to meet with you every single morning. Now, would I meet with someone every morning for 500 bucks for a year? And the answer is yes. Actually, we've been doing this thing since 2017. We have what's called the morning meetup. Every single month we have a theme, whether it's social media, whether it's motivation, whether it's strategy, whatever it is, we have a theme for the month and every morning in that month, we have a conversation around that topic. And I am giving a wealth of knowledge, not only myself, but a lot of friends, a lot of people that you see on this podcast, they join every single week. 
So you need a community of people that you can grow with and you need a coach. I'm your coach. The morning meetup is your community. Go to themorningmeetup.com. It's $499 and I will meet you every single morning for an entire year. Give it a shot. And, uh, and this is in the security business. In this security business, gotcha. right? And so here's the crazy thing is like my, the stock market had just crashed. My dad had about a million dollars in the stock market. It crashed down to $500,000. He takes it out and gives me 200,000, right? Wow. And uh, so he gives me about half of his life savings. And um, so we go and, and we try competing in this space and we just made a ton of mistakes. Mm. Tried paying our guys too much, charging our customer too little, you know, and really to me, the, the principle that was learned from it was like, we were doing things just only to impress others, mm. right? Like I wanted to impress the customer. I want to impress my employees. I wanted, you know, this versus thinking like, what's best for my business yeah. and right. Cause that's gotta be number one and then take care of your employees who will take care of your customers. Yeah. And, uh, but that, that will, and I partnered up with the wrong guys, raised money from the wrong people, don't want to do business with family, right? Like just, just really. Don't. So you're, you said you're, it was your father in law to give you the million. Yep. And, and your my, dad gave you the 200,000. Yep. What was the issue? What was the issue? I'll tell you what the issue is when you lose it. And, <laughs> <laughs> but dad, <laughs> you're my dad. Yeah. Get my money back. So, um, yeah, so two years later, I find myself, like, in a panic, right? Like, made a lot of poor decisions. The economy was crashing. There, there was a lot of different things that I can go into the whole backstory, but essentially where we were being limited on the company that was buying our accounts to 100 accounts, and we needed 120 to break even mm -hmm. and uh, on, a, on a monthly basis. So obviously rocking the hardest place, and we couldn't sell those accounts to anybody else because they had a UCC1 filing against us that, prohibited us from doing that. Mm. And, and so, you know, there was, so I go through this and like I'm fighting creditors and I'm literally like maxing out my personal credit cards to make payroll. Like I'm maxing out with my buddy. He's giving me the cash back minus the, the processing fees. And I'm taking that and I'm making payroll, you know, and, and just like my trying to preserve my personal credit and just going through everything. And then like finally one day, um, a guy that I convinced to come work with me, he's like, dude, I can't keep doing this anymore. I can't just keep supporting your, your deadbeat partners that are no longer working, showing up to the office. You know, like had we been doing this on our own, we'd be successful, but you're, you know, you're, you're just carrying a bunch of dead weight. And so I made the decision. So it was like 13 years ago, like right now, like it was, it was November, December. And, you know, I'm, I, I decide to file for bankruptcy because I had, you know, my, my in-laws and my, my father-in-law, my dad, who I owed money to. And then we owed like another million bucks in creditors. And I had <sighs> guys calling me like every day. I find out that my, uh, my business partner's wife was running the books and embezzling money and, and wasn't paying the $400,000 equipment bill. Um, just all kinds of crazy crap. Uh, real quick. You got kids at this moment? Yeah. How many? Uh, at this moment, uh, we're, we just had our third child. Is your wife working? No. My wife's never worked. What's going on in the house? I mean, dude, what's going on in the house is we're, we're, barely, we're barely paying our, our bills. And then ultimately at this point, like, we've got maxed out credit cards. We're making the minimum payments. Uh, you know, we've got food on the table. We're, we're doing okay, right? Yeah. Like, fine. We're surviving. We're not 
getting kicked out on the street. Was but the, the worst, so we had, we had moved at the, we launched our business when I lived in Utah, moved back home to Washington um, because I was trying to save the business in Washington because I was trying to get outside of the UCC one filing. Mm -hmm. And that was the only territory that we could do that, that they didn't have that lean against us. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, I couldn't support the rest of the dead weight in the business. And so it was just, dude, it was gnarly. And uh, I was renting my in-law's old house uh, from them. Father-in-law? Yes. When you borrowed the money. Yeah, but when the money. He hates money. you at this point. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't He doesn't realize how bad things are. Oh. Like, dude, and that's the other thing that I learned during this situation. You got to own the truth. Right? I didn't, I didn't own the truth. Right? I'm trying to appear to everybody that I'm successful, still driving the nice car, still doing all this stuff. Right. And, and trying to like appear that the business is doing, but dude, we're underwater. We're dying. Like I'm, I'm literally getting like blown up every 20 minutes from a creditor on my cell phone. Right. And, uh, but yeah. And, and so instead of like enlisting those that could help me asking for help, going to a mentor, going to my father-in-law and say, Hey, this is what I'm going through. Uh, what, what do you suggest? No, dude, I'm trying to battle this whole thing myself. And, uh, it was, it was just, the biggest lesson that I could learn on transparency and truth at a young age, um, because it, it bit me in the butt and, uh, you know, ultimately filed bankruptcy, had my car repoed out of my driveway. Me and my wife had, had one car to our names. Um, we had just had our third child. Um, I had less than a thousand dollars in my bank account. Um, you know, and, and like the, the, to the pinnacle of the whole experience was like, I, I still remember, going told you i get emotional <laughs> no, that's good um the the pinnacle of it all was like going and uh and my, my father-in-law was sitting was sitting at our house that we were renting from them he's sitting on our couch i remember walking up to him and, and just saying dude i lost it all it's gone and i'm filing bankruptcy and uh and i don't know when i'll when i'll be able to pay you back and uh, I know legally, I don't know anything, but one day I'll make a hole. And uh, um, the next the next few years were very rough between me and my father in law. In fact, mm. like family dinners, you know, whatever else, like he didn't want to be around me. At the moment, what did he say when you had to tell him it's gone? You no, know, I don't even remember what he said. I do remember that uh, he wasn't happy. My father in law did not take it well. Um, we it damaged our relationship for like five or six years, like pretty pretty significantly. Did that affect anything with you and his daughter? No, man. Uh, you know, for whatever, I've been blessed with just the most incredible. I'm riding with my man, Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Shouts out to the wife. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, so for whatever reason, I got blessed with just just incredible woman that that supported me through thick and thin. Like yeah. she's always been like, I trust you. I believe in you. And you know, we're going to get through this. Yeah. And so, you know, there was times over those five years when she's like, Hey, when are you going to take care of my dad? Right. Like, you know, she, the, every once in a while. And I always had to tell her, I'm like, look, I'm not just going to pay him everything that we've made. I'm like, the only way you pay off a million dollar debt is I got to go make five to 10 million bucks. Yeah. Because the only way, like, because if I just go and build a million bucks and give it all to him, I'm starting from zero again, sure. right? Like, there, there's no way. Like, I got to take care of my family first, and yeah. then I will take care of my debtors. And so, yeah, man. But, but the one thing, the the one thing I'll never forget is is the way that my the way that my dad handled it. 
And uh, fact is, like, two, 200000 to him at that point of his life was worth way more than a million dollars was to my, my father-in-law. And, uh, and, and he, he said to me, he said, he said, son, I know you'll make it right. He said, I believe in you. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask that too. Cause your dad it's half his life savings. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, so for the, for the next few years, like my, uh, my dad was, was, uh, was my biggest cheerleader. Like wow. he, he always, he, he was always in my corner. And, uh, so right away I knew all the mistakes that I had made in that business. And so immediately I launched another alarm company. The same business. <laughs> the same business. Over. So after you file bankruptcy, you go straight into another business. Yeah. But where do you get the capital to invest? No capital, straight hustle. And so, um, you know, what, what happened was with pre my previous business, I wanted to be king, right? right. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to, dude, bring me the tissues. Yeah, we thank got you, bro. Oh, we got oh my you. goodness. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, I knew he was going to get moist. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. So previously I wanted to be king, right? And, and I wanted to be a business owner all for the looks, right? Impress people. Where, uh, and as king, kings does, a king doesn't knock doors. Right. King commands and does all these things. But I knew that that was not who I was. I needed to get back to my grassroots of like being being a hustler. And so immediately as I was filing bankruptcy, I was out on the doors knocking in snow. And uh, so I was literally trudging, trudging through a foot of snow, Quincy, Washington. <laughs> mm. I, uh, those are uh, those are like the the most tender days of my career because like I had nothing and it had all been stripped from me. And I was like out having to do like the worst part of the job, yeah. you know, in the middle of the winter and uh, something I definitely didn't want to be doing, yeah. but, but I had to do anyways. And so, yeah, and I, do, I was, I was out in the doors, me and my, my then business, my new business partner, the guy that had, had told me like, dude, I can't keep doing this. And, uh, that guy's, that guy's been with me through thick and thin for, for 19 years. He, he was actually my first door to door sales manager when I sold pest control. Wow. And, uh, and so then we became business partners. We launched this, this other solar company. We we're out knocking doors in Quincy, Washington. Uh, on a pest control or I mean alarm or this is home security. Okay, home security. Got but it. initially, the very first product I ever sold door to door was 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 pest control. Right, right, right. right. But after you failed in the security system, then you and the and the, my previous my guy, that guy. That, yeah, yep. So I had convinced him to move with me to Washington when my company was failing and run an office with me in Washington, not as a, a partner, but as mm. an employee. Yeah. And he's like, dude, I can't keep doing this. We're making money, but the company's losing money. Right. Right. And so that's when we decided to launch a business. We went out and we hustled. Um, you know, we actually, uh, and then we just changed the business model and the way that we were doing things. We were doing things all for the right reasons. And uh, we built that business up. A year and a half later, we sold it off. We made a little bit of money. It wasn't a lot. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So you and your partner come together, start this business. Yeah. A year and a half later, you sell it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we... So actually it was about, 
what is that? So we, we started the end of 2010, we go through 2011, and we sell it halfway through 2012. Yeah, so it was a year and a half later. Was that the plan? Um, we didn't really have a plan. Um, <laughs> we were in survival mode. And, you know, when you're in survival mode as an entrepreneur, it's not a good thing. It, it's, it's a good thing temporarily, but it's not a good thing long term. Um, because we... We were just building out a necessity rather than like from vision, right? And so because of it, I knew I didn't want to ever take on any more debt. I knew I didn't want to grow. I knew it like, like I wanted to keep things small, controllable, mm. give me some income, right? And we're going to do this. And so we did that and we're like, this sucks, right? Like <laughs> this, this is the worst. But what we had done is we had created value where we weren't selling off our contracts. We were actually in-housing them and building a portfolio of contracts that we were going to be able to turn and sell. And, and so that's what we sold a year and a half later because we didn't want to be in the door-to-door space anymore. Gotcha. And, how, how much money were you making when you sold it? Dude, not a lot. Um, I think, so here's the crazy thing. After we went through bankruptcy and like restructured everything, I could live off of $1,800 a month. Mm. And like, I was down to nothing. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I think we were only paying ourselves like six grand a month. And then we sold it off. It, it, like I said, it wasn't a lot of money. It was like 600 grand that we sold it for. Okay. First of all, I don't like the way you're talking. Cause that's a lot of money <laughs> in a year and a half. So you're, you're going through, you go through bankruptcy. Yeah. You and your partner have an idea. and Well, I guess you understand the economics of, I know if I knock on enough doors, I'm going to make this money. Right. You pay yourself six grand a month each, and then you sell it off for $600,000. Total to split. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> like that is. No, it's good. It's good. And, and, and I, don't, I don't hate on it, but it, yeah. it's like, for me, enterprise value is many, many millions. Right. And so when you sell a business for 600,000, like cool, but, and, and that's, that's the important thing is like, and, and, and I, you, you know, you said this is a personal mentoring thing. And so let's yeah, talk mentoring. For sure. Okay. If you think 600 grand is good, you got the wrong mindset. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I do. Now obviously I want to But, but you, you know what, but you, same, same but, thing, but right? That's like a quick bounce back though. You know what it, I mean? It was. So, yeah. and, and the, you know, the beauty of it is like, I used my failures to learn. And a lot of people use their failures and they run and hide, right? Like I had a choice. I could just go back to college, continue down the doctor route. And a lot of people told like everybody I knew was telling me to do that. Quit chasing the money, go do this. Yeah. It, obviously chasing the money doesn't work out for you, man. I, I, in fact, I quoted a guy in my, in my iPhone that I, what he told me in church one day, I wrote it down and I use it for motivation like whenever I was feeling down, I looked at him like, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so. Um, when, but you, yeah. when you sold it for that 600000 was that a lot of money to you at the time? It was, it was I was happy. Yeah. I, was, I was happy. Um, I wasn't stoked, but I was happy. Yeah. Right? So, so I go and. And while we're, we got the thing on the market, we're, we're just kind of living off our accounts before we sell it off. And we both decide we don't want to be in the, in the door-to-door space anymore. So I go and I read uh, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. That was like my first introduction to actually starting reading in my career. Mm -hmm. And based off his principles, I go and I establish a search engine optimization company. I'm outsourcing things to India, to the Philippines. You know, this is all in like 2000, uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, so I get that up. I'm making six grand a month from uh, my SEO company 
doing nothing, sending one email a month. So this is something that you started during while I while I still own the home security business gotcha. before you sold it before we sold it. it and but my business partner he was looking at something else he was going to get into bee farming um, it was kind of just <laughs> random <laughs> and, and like we just wanted away from the door to door space yeah. right like it, it just caused us heartache you know we were making some money but we hated it yeah. and uh, but hold on real quick so you make six hundred you're making about six thousand dollars a month from the home security business yep. And then you start an SEO company that I'm making six grand a month, and they're they're paying about six grand a month. Yep, yep. That that's net what I'm netting out. I landed a few big clients, and uh, and I'm doing this man. This is in the early stages of like internet marketing, right? right. 2012, um, and so I'm I'm doing that. SEO was hot, um, but then, dude, I get bored, and I'm like, this like send an email a month. We're trying to sell off these accounts. I'm like, I need more purpose in life. And so my brother is working for a, a door-to-door business doing the summer sales model, the same thing that I had done previously. And uh, he's like, dude, come manage one more summer with me. I'm like, oh, I do not want to knock another door, mm-hmm. you know? And I've like, and I'm like, I, and I do not want to work for somebody else. I've done the working for somebody else. That yeah. is not me. Like, I'm no employee. I'm a CEO. Come on, baby. Get out of here. And so, so finally, I decide I'm going to go and do it. And the reason, there's two reasons. One, my brother was really struggling. And I needed to just be like a good example in his life. Mm-hmm. And two, I wanted to prove to myself that I could compete at the highest level and prove. So the, the companies that I had worked up to that point were all like smaller and they weren't the big companies in the industry. I wanted to go work at one of the big companies, prove that I was a big dog. And, uh, and just, just that competitive drive yeah. got me to go do it. So I go out summer 2012. Oh, real quick, before I forget that 300,000, do any of these fathers get any of that bread? Do any of the fathers or what? Your father, your father-in-law, did they get no. any of this 300,000? No. Did your wife look at you crazy? Like, hey, you just got that check. Yeah. Give yeah. my daddy something. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. And I, and I had to like keep getting her in check. Like, look, <laughs> I can't, I, I cannot pay this off. Right. It's got to be paid off. There's got to be it's got to be a one lump check to make this thing happen. Otherwise, that is a long payment of two thousand dollars a month. Right. Mm. And so. So, no. And the whole time, man, I'm investing. Right. Because I was a disciplined investor. My dad taught me well, but I also learned investing. I studied investing. Mm. So I'm getting into real estate. I'm putting stuff all over the place. So I'm using none of that money's going to the watch or the car or any any of that stuff. Right. Like. And I got back to my roots. Like I was driving a freaking beater car that we had bought wrecked, that we fixed up. I wasn't driving the Mercedes Benz CLS 500 that got repoed out of my driveway. I wasn't doing any of that. Right. And, and so for me, like I stopped caring about impressing people and started caring, caring about taking care of my family. Gotcha. And uh, so, yeah, man, we, uh, so I go out, out and I, and I start working for somebody else selling door to door that summer, that summer, I made $272,000 knocking doors and I won a Range Rover in a sales competition, fully paid off. Wow. And so I walk away with three sales. Did y'all know sales is like this? (laughs) I didn't know there was like companies that sales people like you make this type of money. Right. Yeah. Wow. Like that's more money than I made as an entrepreneur. Like my first right ten years, probably right. like eight years, something right. like that. That's and incredible. I and I do that in summer. 
In a summer. In a summer. So so I'm taking that money and I'm and I'm rolling it into real estate. I'm rolling into everything. The next Hold summer, on, bro. I'm sorry. You just got 300, then you got 270, and you got a Range Rover. Your father-in-law wants his money. Dude. I'm sure he saw that. So like you, know that. What I, you know what I did? I actually gave him one of my other cars. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I, I had a... What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on social proof podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket and in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, booth thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal i had a, a decent camry um a toyota camry <laughs>
I'd be pissed. I'm not gonna, if I was your father-in-law, I'd be pissed. I said, no, give me the Range Rover. You owe me that. Wow. So, and that, and that was like part of the conversation. It's like, look, legally I owe you nothing. The only mm. reason I'm going to pay you is because I'm a good man. Yeah. Right? Like, and so, and frankly, because he treated me like trash, I felt zero obligation to ah, take care of him. Go. Right? Like even though I want, even though as a man, I wanted to take care of him as a relationship, I'm just like, dude, screw you, man. You, you, you kicked me in the knees during my, my worst time in my life, yeah. you know, versus my dad. So, um, I said, dad, look, I don't have money I can give you right now, but I can teach you to invest. Mm. And so starting in 2012, me and my dad co-invested into real estate. And so, um, by, by 2020, I'd made my dad a million and a half dollars in real estate. Oh, wow. And just by getting him to co-invest alongside me with not a lot of money. Fixing right. flips and stuff. Just uh, mostly, uh, mostly we'd find good opportunities. We do uh, like in the multifamily space, mm -hmm. duplexes, quadplexes. We bought a couple. We bought a couple properties in Florida on on auction. I bought a house for twenty nine thousand and another one for six thousand. Mm. Like, dude, we're talking three bedroom, two bath on auction. You know, flip them, for, flip them for two hundred. Nah, no, no, those are gone. Those are gone. <laughs> Yeah, okay. okay. So they don't have that situation. Well, auction.com, maybe you have some auctions, right? Yeah, yeah. You still buy? Uh, dude, I buy I buy whatever. Yeah, I love I love investing. Real estate's my passion. Mm. So. Okay, okay, okay. So when do we get into the first, because the first company that you you sold for nine figures is the solar. That's right. Okay. So that doesn't happen until 20, I don't start that company until 2017. So I'll give you the quick recap between 2012 and 2017. Mm. I go back and I work for other people for four and a half years. Mm. And I made the decision after that first summer, I'm like, dude, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to look at this as my paid education for the next, as long as it takes. And so for the next four and a half years, I studied the best CEOs in the home service space and I worked for them. And I worked as like a high level executives for them. I was making between four and $500,000 for the next three years. Mm. And, uh, and, but everybody else was there for a paycheck. I was there to study. And for me, it was just like, what is he doing? How is he doing it? What are the principles? What is he basing it on? I'm reading, I'm attending conferences. I'm doing, I'm doing everything and making really good money. Right. So when I'm investing and doing all this stuff. So during, during those four and a half years, I worked for three different companies. Okay all for a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. The third, the last company was a buddy of mine that had left the second company to go and start his business. And I wanted to go and help him build his before I went and built mine. And mm. so out of those three companies, I experienced two different IPOs, different uh, initial public offerings. One of them I was on Wall Street for. Um, and, and so like my last buddy's company that I worked for for two years, we scaled that to 28 locations in two years. And I was over all the growth. And I was solar. Mm -hmm. okay. I was the vice president of human capital in in his business. So my job was to recruit, build teams, build culture, do all that good stuff. So I learned a ton doing doing that, and I was doing it on somebody else's dime. I left that job in October 2016. Everybody thought I was crazy. It was making 500 grand that year. I had a company credit card that I could literally go to any steakhouse, any ball game, any whatever mm. else. I had the coolest job in the world. And, uh, but I left and everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm ready, ready. I'm ready to be done. Like I'm ready to go and, and spread my wings. I learned what I came to learn. I've learned to grow. I've learned to, to build and now I'm going to go and do it my own. The next 
Six months, I chased an international energy product that ended up being a scam, but we did $2 billion worth of sales in six months. And uh, Yo. we were meeting with prime ministers from around the world, prime ministers of different African countries. We were, uh, we were going to be putting this product on Buckingham Palace. We had a contract with Panama. We had like, uh, it, was, it was the craziest thing. It was the coolest product and when it came to them manufacturing fulfilling, we had them financed, we had them sold, we had everything done. Banks, mm. everything lined up, they couldn't fulfill. And, it, and I, I learned two lessons from that. One, never put all your eggs in one basket. Like if I would have just approached those relationships with two different products, I would have probably had a billion dollars in sales. And number two is the, all it takes to network is a belief in what you're doing. That's it. And like, cause my product was a sham. Yeah. My product was a sham. And like, and so it wasn't the product. Yeah. It wasn't the, it was literally, it was just like, I believed so much in what I was doing that I, dude, and I networked to the top, 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 top of the world. Like, you know, I became like really good buddies with the guy that's best friends with Carlos Slim, who was the second richest man in the world. I, you know, meet with prime ministers, like the uh. cra crazy stuff, six months, man. And it was all because I believed in it. And so meanwhile, I'll, so I'll, I'll try to get through the story real quick. Mean, meanwhile, I am, I've never been one to just sit back and live off the savings, yeah. right? So I'm hustling on the side. I'm putting together sales contractors with install contractors on the solar side, getting those stuff going on, making a little cut. I'm pursuing these international energy projects. That blows up in my face. I lose like 250 grand on just travel and everything else that we we're doing to, to facilitate that. And... And then I'm just getting frustrated with the way that these, these solar contractors are working. I'm like, dude, you guys suck. Mm -hmm. and, and so I see an opportunity. I'm like, man, I, I got to do something on my own. But, but I, I go and I spend my first money I ever did on a course. It's $2,500 for a drop, Facebook marketing drop shipping course. Mm. Summer 2017, I decided I got to learn my marketing. And so I go and I spend 14 hours a day for eight weeks straight taking this course, drop shipping flashlights, teeth whitener are all around the world. And uh, I'm like, what am I doing with a $50 product? I could be doing this crap with solar and nobody's doing this in solar. No one's running Facebook ads on solar. Nobody. What made you want to say, I'm going to get into the e-commerce drop shipping space? Because I've, I've always been obsessed. So from running in my SEO company, I've always been obsessed with internet marketing. Mm -hmm. And it always appealed to me because I did not want to knock a freaking door, right? <laughs> like, like how, how can I get in front of somebody without knocking their door, yeah. right? Although I'm freaking good at it, I don't want to knock another door. Um, and so, so I, I do that. I learn, I learn Facebook marketing. I'm like, dude, I could apply this, do digital door knocking for the solar space, mm. right? And so instead of knocking on doors, I can multiply myself because the, the difficulty I always had is like, man, if I could just replicate myself across so many doors, right. we would crush it as a company, For but sure. I can't, I got to train these guys to go and do it. But digital door knocking, I could replicate myself across 10,000 screens. Mm -hmm. And so, so I learned it, learned the space. We ended up launching a solar business. Like I said, I was, I was frustrated with the way that these install companies were working. I'm like, dude, not only am I going to sell it, but I'm going to install it. I'm going to finance it. I'm going to source my, my product directly from China. So we launched this thing out of my garage. And we spent two and a half years in my garage operating. That's our headquarters. Really? So I have a pretty pretty good sized garage, 3,500 square foot yeah. shop, right? And initially... In <laughs> <laughs> This whole building is 31. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. So here, so hear me out. So, 
So the initial part of my garage is finished out. It's 400 square feet. And then we finish out the rest as we're building this thing. Um, Two and a half years later, we move out. We had already cleared $75 million in revenue in our first two and a half years of business. What? Yeah. Running out of my garage. And And real quick. So you find the customer and you you ship it to the installer? Nope. So we... Find the customer online. Yeah. We would send a sales rep to their home. Okay. So we generate the lead online, send a sales rep to their home, but then we built out warehouses of install crews, our own crews. Mm-hmm. So we don't have contractors. Like I said, I was frustrated Got with that. You. So we start building them out. And so we, we geo target certain areas that we generate leads. We generate the deal. We do the permitting, the engineering, the the whole CAD drawings, everything like that. We we work with the cities, the utilities, everything like that. We go and we install it. The whole process takes you know sixty to ninety days. Um, we own that whole side, and so this is a lot of pieces to put together. So I want to like kind of mm-hmm. scale back and see how you, how many different companies or one one company you just built out different departments. Yes, correct but you still got to build out each department, department by department, Absolutely. right? Like there's some installers. So you got to find the installers yep. to install them. Like yep. how? D- so this, this whole thing goes into like building out enterprise value, something that you can actually sell. Yeah. Right. And, and that was the whole goal going in. Right. Okay. Yep. So from day one, man, I had a playbook that I wanted to be able to sell this thing and I was going to build it on purpose by design. Right. Most people are building just come what may. Right? Like, oh, this happened. Well, I got to do this. Oh, this happened, right? Versus like, dude, playbook day one. All right, these are our core values. This is our mission statement. This we're going to be. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations or multiple systems on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. 
It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. The largest solar installer in the nation. And everyone's like, you're crazy. We're sitting in a 400 square foot garage, man. Get out of here. And I'm like, nope, I'm not crazy, man. High fives every morning, getting them excited. Hey, we're building an empire. Dude, there's six of us. How are we building an empire? <laughs> like, you know, but wow. I like, but I created day one, five-year game plan. We're going to have a 500-person organization. This is what it's going to look like. I built out my full org chart. This is what it's going to look like. This is how many sales reps we're going to have. This is how many installers we're going to have to be able to install that many that many sales. This is how management is going to be shaped up. This is you're going to, how the COO, the CFO, the CRO, right? My my CTO. This is how it's all going to be structured. We're going to build our own software. We're going to eventually source our equipment from from China. In order to do that, we're going to have to have a uh, an inventory management, and we're going to have to uh, be over logistics and importing and exporting and, and doing doing everything there and so like dude built this out that's that's day like day 10 uh, in the business right and, wow. and so okay. most most guys one they don't have a vision for where they're growing yeah. right they don't know where they want to go and two they don't have an org chart that actually matches that vision and real quick how did you know to do that and as you're talking i'm like all right well there's some work I need to do. Okay, uh, I got to build out exactly what it looks like for sure. Um, but how did you know to do that? So, man, once again, going back to 2012, I became obsessed with reading and I became obsessed with studying my CEOs. So that's what like we're in a meeting. We're in a meeting. I'm like, why is he doing this? Like not at, like, why is he asking me to do this? I'm asking, why is he doing this? Right. And, and so I'm literally studying what these guys are doing to grow. And I'm reading from the best books I'm reading. So like, for example, a, a book on, on this subject would be the E-Myth Revisited, mm. right? Which talks about removing yourself. Your brand is, is its own figure and you are a separate figure and you've got to build a, a company that is independent of people. Right. So you got to have your org chart and everything else build out, build out correctly. So that's, that's what I'm, that's why I'm building literally, you know, day early on in the, in the business. And so then I have a 500 person war chart and I got six people. I'm like, okay, well, we, you know, these 
two people carry 150 hats. This person has <laughs> one, you know, 10 hats or whatever All else. Right. And then, and then when that person is bogged down, then you realize, okay, I'm going to split the hats and this, and I need to hire this position now. And, and then it becomes very strategic and you have a roadmap of your hiring process. That's good. Right. And, and so then you're tracking your KPIs, your key performance indicators of what an actual person is able to do and holding them accountable to that. And then once you want to get that next level of growth, you got to hire and so on and so forth. And, mm. and so, uh, you know, my, my experience was in recruiting, right? I had run the vice president. So like yeah. I was one heck of a recruiter, you know, I got uh, a guy that's, you know, greasy hands coming in and I'm like, dude, we're going to take over the world, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I paint the vision for them. Hey, you're going to be here long-term. I know you've been tired of going from contract to contractor. This is how it's going to be. There's going to be employee stock options. It's going to be beautiful. You know, we're going to be the top company in the world, you know, whatever. And so, it, you know, that, that was the vision. And I was wow. creating, creating the garage. And, and, you know, it was cool because it got us through the days of like, there was days in the garage where our AC didn't work most of the time. Where, I dude, I still remember my, my president of operations, he's getting cold, wet towels and putting them around the necks of the people that are pounding away on the computers, you know, just because uh. they're sweating, you know. But like, they're willing to sweat because they, they saw the vision. Okay, I, this is this is this is this is helping. Is that, have you had that conversation with your team? Oh man, I'm, I'm having this conversation. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, painting the picture vividly, clearly, vividly. and I I can see even you telling the story. It's almost like I can see you in that garage with the same energy, face turning red, like, guys, I'm telling you, this is happening. And you truly believe it. Yeah, yeah. And just like, guys, I, I've ran the roadmap. Like, I, I was a part of two different IPOs. I know exactly what it is, man. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we're doing it differently here, right? Yeah. And so we invested. It, so one of the lessons I learned early in my career is you got to spend money on things that matter. Yeah. The, initially, the office space didn't matter. Right, like operating out of my garage, no customer saw that. Yeah. Right, and, but guess what? Our marketing, tip top, baby. Yeah. I mean, we looked like a billion dollar business. We had the best videographer, the best photographer. Mm. Our vans were wrapped, you know, to the till. We were showing up with nice gift boxes to the customer that has a little swag bag for the customer and says, yeah. "Welcome to the Soul Gem family." You know, here's the vision, here's the mission. We love you. Be a part of it. You know, pass us to your friends and family. Right, they're seeing that. And then meanwhile, they find out we're operating out of a garage, wow. you know? And, and, and so like every dollar spent had to be an ROI. There, there was no, so this is, this is, uh, so this, this is probably the biggest thing I can share with your audience. Most guys never build enterprise, enterprise value because they rob the company to fulfill their own self-interest. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. Most guys and gals will never build enterprise value because they rob the company to fulfill their own self-interest. And what I mean is they think, man, I deserve that watch. I deserve that car. I deserve the nice house. I deserve I deserve all of the, I deserve all of these things rather than spending it on marketing that's actually going to create real value. Right? And, and so now, granted, granted, depending on what industry you're in, maybe the watch, the car, and everything is marketing. Right. And, and, it, and, yeah, it, is, <laughs> and it is getting it is getting you that, that ROI. Right. Being a 
being a solar business owner driving a Ferrari, that doesn't that doesn't do that's just only bad for public image, not yeah. good for public image, right? And so for me, every dollar was getting sunk back into the business, right? Like how can I go and put it back in and get 10 more dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Every dollar give me 10. And so it's just investing back in, back in, back in, growth, 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 growth. Not serving my own personal interests. Mm-hmm. Dude, first six months in business, we did six seven million dollars guess how much i took in a salary how much zero zero i took a zero dollar salary for my first six seven months the only way i could get paid for my first six months in business was if i went and i did commission sales myself outside of work hours that was it so my my first my first six months looked like this I'd show up to the office, I'd work eight hours and then i would go out and i would be in customers homes from five till nine o'clock and making myself make myself a paycheck and wow. I paid, and I paid myself the same way I paid my employees on the the same exact commission. That's how we look for the first six months. The next six months, I I raised myself to an eighty thousand dollars salary a year, and uh, and and then still during that, I couldn't live off eighty grand. Right, I got yeah. used to making four or five hundred grand a year. Sure. Right, and, and so guess what? I was still working forty hours in the office and thirty to forty hours outside of the office. And, and, and making myself a commission paycheck. And I did that for the first two years of the business. Mm. Uh, and I stayed. At, and then after that, I raised myself to $120,000 a year. I did not raise my salary until we exited that business. And so because I understood how important it was not to rob the business, right? Dude, like, I, and, and all along the way, I never... I never upgraded the same house I built Soljin out of. I still have that house. That's the house I live in. Wow. You know, and the same cars I drove along the way, I bought one car. I bought a, a, bought a pimped out Mercedes Benz van, four by four, that's like 160 grand, like looks like a private jet inside. <laughs> that's some dad stuff right there. Uh, that's what a dad, van. I but, that's literally that, <laughs> that and a couple, like when we exited, I bought that and a couple watches. That's it. Mm. And, and so like for me, because I was able to discipline myself, it disconnected me from like all, all the, all the material things yeah. like where I no longer needed to self validate to say, look at me, I'm successful. So let's, 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 let's walk through how me as an entrepreneur needs to approach my business. Absolutely. So that I can start thinking exit. What are some of the things that need to be considered when we start talking about an exit? So first and foremost, you have to have a proper organization, right? Something that can scale without you, right? Operate without you. If your business is solely centered on you, you ain't selling that thing. Yeah. You you can't. And that's the difficulty of like the podcast space or the YouTube space or the self-branding space. Yeah, they're great cash cows, but they ain't sellable. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's coming in, right? right? And where if you, but there are ways to do the same exact thing with removing yourself. In fact, I have a friend that actually passed away. Um, so Tell I call him a that. friend. He's my employee's brother. Um, so one of my very first technicians that we hired, his brother was uh, um, uh, the King of Random on YouTube. You familiar with King of Random? King of Random? Yeah. So the King of Random as of like six years ago, had 11 million subscribers. Okay? Oh, wow. And the King of Random never named his channel after himself. And before he passed away, so he died in a, in a tragic accident, but before he passed away, a year and a half before he passed away, he actually removed himself from his channel completely. 
where he had co-hosts and he had different uh, people like that that were actually running things for him for the year and a half before he passed away. So when he died, his channel did not die and his wife still gets paid today by the King of Random channel. Mm. And so that was a sellable asset. But most YouTube channels are not sellable because they're reliant on on you. Yeah, right? you got to do this interview. Right? You got, you got to do this. Yeah. You got to show up, man. And guess what? Me as an investor, what happens when you get hit by a bus tomorrow? Yeah. My, my investment's gone. I ain't going to invest in that. Right? So that's what, like, you investors put money in process-driven companies. Okay? Investors it, put money in process-driven Company. Okay. Right, right. Now, there's always a people aspect. It has to be a people aspect. They're the ones that run the processes. Yeah. Uh, AI is starting to run a lot of them, but you know, investors buy processes, right? And so, what you have to do is you have to remove yourself from the business and create a process. Now, you can work in the business, but you also got to be able to have somebody easily replace you, right? And so, like for example, if you're a very personal brand, you gotta you gotta go away from the personal brand and go more company brand. Right, like the king of random, nobody knows who's that it, who who that is. Right, they don't know that uh, you know his, his name is is completely different, and, and so and his face no longer was was associated with it. Right, you have no idea. Yeah. Like, my mind is running right now. Let's keep going, go, keep going, let's keep going. go. But it, so so first of all, you got to think I got to get process driven and not people driven. Right, and then you manage the processes, not the people. Right, and, and so. You, I mean, that's that's why McDonald's is worth what they are, right? Because I can go anywhere in the world and the process is exactly the same. I know if I order a Big Mac, I'm going to get a freaking Big Mac. It's going to taste the same way. It's going to be the same thing or whatever. You've got to be able to produce the same thing in your business. That a show can be produced by you, can be produced by a co-host, can be by anybody that can be trained into that role is going to produce the same exact product, right? Mm -hmm. So that that is where, first, the focus has to be. Second, you gotta you got to have... You got to have the org chart, right? And what I like to call an accountability chart, right? So you create create that accountability chart, chart top to bottom, five year vision. Where do I want to be? And and you got to start with the vision. You say, okay, you know, five years from now, I want to be the largest solar installer in the world, or I want to be the largest podcaster uh, facility management company in the world. Okay, what does that look like? Okay, how many millions of dollars a year is that doing? Is it two hundred million? Is it one hundred million? Is it fifty million? I don't know. What, whatever that number is. Okay, if it's $50 million a year, you got to say, okay, what does it take in my industry to produce $50 million a year? Okay, well, it takes sales reps. Okay, is there an industry standard for that? Are there sales reps that sell podcast access to studios or whatever, right? And if there are, then you say, okay, what does the average sales rep do? Oh, he does a million a year. Okay, well, to be at 50 million a year, what do I got? I have to have 50 sales reps, okay? And then I go to the the law of management. The law of management states that uh, no one person can manage more than five to eight people, right? Mm. And, and so if I know I have to, and, and the lower level, the more people they can manage. The higher level, the less people they can manage, right? right? So if I'm, if I'm a COO, I should only be managing like three to four people. But if I'm a sales manager, I should be managing eight, right? Mm. And, and so now I build out my sales manager and then you have your divisional sales manager. And then I have my, my CRO or my CSO that's, that's over, over all that. Now I have my sales org. Okay, if I'm selling this much and I have to produce this much, what does it take to produce this, to manage these facilities, to, to, to 
shoot the video to do this, that, or the other, right? Like what, what does it take to produce that many shows? How many, how much will people pay per show? What, whatever else, right? Now you break it down and, and now you start to understand your KPIs, right? Like if I, if I expect a million dollars from your sales rep, that's the expectation. That's the KPI, the, the performing indicator that I'm doing. And if a, a film guy can edit three videos a week or three videos a day or whatever it else, and I need 10,000 videos, right? Then I know I need yeah. this many videographers, this many editors, this many this, right? And gotcha. I build that whole thing, but you have to start at the top of like, what's my goal? Yeah. What, what is, and, and but, but more importantly than the dollars, like what's the mission behind it, right? Like why do I, why do I wanna be a 50 million? Right? Yeah. Why not ten million? Why not two million? Right? Like, is is my is my drive really to be the biggest, or am I just growing because society told me? Right? Yeah. Like, am I totally fine living in my shanty and uh, being retired in two years? I don't know. Right? That that's up to every single individual, and so you got to understand. You got to get. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply serious with yourself like what are my goals what is a vision and a goal that aligns with my goals mm -hmm. how do i get people bought into that what does it look like to build that whole thing and now i build out the full org and then i go through and i have to build out standard operating procedures well so i so before i do that standard operating procedure i gotta do roles and responsibilities right. right so this particular role what's his role and responsibility as a sales rep well he's got to knock doors he's got to make calls he's got to he's got to do this he's got to do that do this that the other right so then you have your role responsibility the so you typically you're going to have anywhere from four to seven uh responsibilities under that particular role right under the role so my role seven. say i am my role is sales rep yep. my responsibility is knock doors make calls do this that right you're gonna have you're gonna have four to seven responsibilities under that okay and then you're gonna build out a standard operating procedure to complete those responsibilities yeah. right so when i knock doors when i knock a door and somebody does this then i do this if i do this this is that so and it's like a bunch of if then statements right. if the customer says yes then do this if the customer says no then you respond with this right and it's just sops with scripts and uh, all all the different things it's a lot of freaking work yeah right clearly a lot of freaking work roles a bunch of responsibilities not a bunch four to seven four to seven responsibilities and then create SOPs for each one. And of there those. can be there can be a lot so of that SOPs, can it right? Out. And there can be a lot of SOPs. And and here's the thing: the visionary, the guy that's running the ship, he needs to be directing all those because what he has to do is like, what is the experience I want my customers to experience? Right? How do I want them to be treated? Like, what does the whole customer experience look like within our within our funnel? Right. And then you got to make sure that all the SOPs, whether they're written by you or written by somebody else, that you're approving them or somebody that's under your direction is and, and lines up perfectly with your vision is approving them, mm -hmm. right? Because ultimately that is going to be the building blocks of your business, got it. right? Got it. And so as, as you do that now, 
like, and dude, that's not a day process, right? Like we're talking like if you were on some like crazy mental drugs and whatever else, like, I mean, do you could do it maybe like a month straight, like working all day, but that the reality is you're not going to do that. It's a process. You're going to, you're going to work at it and you're going to yeah. consistently update these, these SOPs. You're going to consistently improve the process. You're going to, you know, the experience, the customer, you're like, well, what if, and, and so, so for me, like a, wow. cus a customer experience is like, an ultimate goal that I will never achieve, right? So like, I, I love Airbnb, Airbnb's philosophy on this. Their ultimate customer experience that they are working towards is that you show up in a private jet, you get picked up by a lim, uh, limo that takes you over to a rocket and Elon Musk is sitting there with the rocket you'd get in the rocket and you'd go to Mars, right? <laughs> like that's the ultimate customer experience that yeah. they are striving for. Yeah. Okay. And so they, they say, okay, this is the goal. This is where we're at. What are we missing? What are we missing? And so then they're always looking to improve because they know this is never attainable, yeah. right? They're, they're not going to, they're not going to attain that, but, <laughs> but they know that one step closer to that is awesome. Mm. And, and so constantly adding things in the customer experience that are going to make you one step closer to that perfect visionary experience. My gosh. And you're saying this, this needs to go into place. Even if a person has a dream for a t-shirt brand, like my t-shirt brand is going to be all over the world, but then you got to figure out the number, then how many people are going to be selling it, how many stores. Absolutely. You just got to go through this whole process. Ab absolutely. And you know, here's the thing is like every business is built on culture. So I recently wrote uh, I recently wrote a 36 page little ebook that details 11 steps to creating a culture, a winning culture, um, and it's literally the playbook that I used in my business and that has been used by multiple business that where I've had two nine figure exits. Um, and, and so you can actually, so I, I sell for 29 bucks. Um, it, it's on, if you go to my Instagram, if you click on the links, it's like the first thing there. Um, but basically it details, okay, you got to start, you got to start with your vision. You got to start with your mission statement. You got to start with your core values. And it shows you like how you create each of these things. And then it, and it tells you like literally, cause culture is a buzzword. Like everyone's like, yeah, let's have an awesome culture. Yeah, cool. Right. Right. Like everyone knows when they felt a good one. Everyone knows when they felt a bad one, but they have no idea how it was created good or how it was created bad. My process that I've created is a detailed 11 steps to how you build the proper culture. Gotcha. I'm actually going to your page now. Um, Chris Lee, for those that want to know. Chris Lee QB. That's right. Chris Lee QB. Quarterback, baby. And, oh, the $29 culture guide. Yes. Did the exact playbook that I used to build a culture that produced $233 million a year. <laughs> this is incredible. This is incredible. Amen, baby. So um, if you can pull one thing to put at the top most important thing for someone to build a $100 million company, if you had to pull one and you say, if you get this right, everything else can be subpar, but you got to get this right. What would it be? Culture. You got to build the correct culture, right? Culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? Like you, you look at, and, and it's been said, I mean, it's just the, the old adage and that's been said by a million different people. Right. And what I mean by that is, strategy of like how you sell, what you sell, product you sell can always change. That can be pivoted at any moment. In fact, like the, the best example I can think of is Apple, mm -hmm. right? 
Apple didn't start out with like in in the late sixties, early seventies. It'd be like, hey, we're gonna build the best iPhone ever, right? That that wasn't that wasn't the goal. That ultimately ended up being their their greatest strategy that took them to three trillion dollars in in capital you know capital value. But uh, initially, it was hey, we're gonna build a culture. We're gonna build a culture of innovation. Right? We're going to build a culture of believers, of dreamers, of, you know, it's going to be sleek and it's going to be the best and, and, and we're going to be the highest priced and, but we will justify that price with the experience and we're going to build a cult following of people that just love our product and will buy whatever we put in front of them, right? Like that was, that was the culture that Apple created and it was cool to work at Apple. It was, you know, it, it's cool to, to, to own their stuff. It's cool, right? It's the feeling that, that, that they created. And so if you can dial in your culture, like strategy will change and, and, it, and it did shift, right? Like initially it was computers for them. And then later, later it was the iPod, right? The iPod kind of got them to the next, next level of like, man, you know, 30 songs in your pocket. Boom, let's go. And then from, from the iPod, you know, the, it was like the, the being able to like actually see a video on your iPod. Like that was, mm. that was cool. And then all of a sudden, boom, right? The iPhone hits and changes the world, kills Blackberry, does everything else. That was all strategy. Right. And that, that all just came along the line. It wasn't, it, it, they didn't start with that. Yeah. And, and so, but so I would say you got to get your culture right. You got to, and for me, culture for in building my organization was all about centered on the people. Yeah. I was, I'm a, I'm a people builder. Like, and I would tell my people when they come in, I'm like, hey, look, this is not just another paycheck. You're going to leave a better person. And uh, like day, day one is just like, hey, uh, we focus on the core four and it's, you know, your physical, your economic, your association, your spirituality, your peas. You got to eat them daily. And, uh, and, and so, man, people would come and work for me. They lose weight. They, they, they come, they come and work with me. They become believers in God. They, they, they come work with me. They got a better relationship with their spouse at home. Right. Like, like that, that was always my focus from day one was like, I'm a people builder. And if I can build these people, if I can make their lives better at home and, and they can use this as a foundation for, for the rest of their life, then like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we're doing, right? Like, I mean, we could sell freaking ice to the Eskimos and, and we crush it, right? Because, because I got an army of people that believe that, that, are, that are behind, uh, you know, um, Ed Milet talks about being an evangelist. Have you heard him talk about being yeah, an evangelist? Yeah, yeah, yep. Dude, my my I love I love what he says about being an evangelist. He said, he said, people don't need to believe what what you're telling them. That's not it, right? They need to believe that you believe. Mm. And that's it. That's the difference between a salesperson and an evangelist. Right? An evangelist is so convicted on what they believe and what they're doing and the vision and the development that they're doing that people are like, man, I want to get behind that. I don't necessarily know what the freak he's talking about. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. They, they, like, I don't, I can't see how we're going to get this thing to $233 million in a year. We're sitting here in 400 square foot. There's six of us. Like, I don't see it, but he does. Yeah. He believes. And I want to, I want to be a part of that. And so like that is the culture, right? Being the visionary, being the believer, being the evangelist, the person that can say, look, this is the way we're going 
get behind me. I'm here for the best. And like, there's, uh, and, and this is actually talked about in my, in my culture thing, creating a culture of like transparency and a culture of, of trust where, look, you owe me nothing as an employee. If you pick up and leave tomorrow, I congratulate you and wish you the best, right? The, the worst thing that you can do is expect loyalty. Loyalty it does not exist in business. Trust does. Okay. And, and the reason loyalty only exists with my family, right? Like I only expect my family to, to stick around regardless of I'm bringing them value or not. I hope that they'll stick. Yeah. But, but in, in business, if I fail to bring an employee value, be disloyal as all get out, like run, run for the hills. Like if you are no longer getting what you came together to get, please leave. Right? This is a symbiotic relationship. I serve you, you serve me together, and we bring you value. And, and if you no longer see the value, please take what you learned here and go build it with a foundation somewhere else. And because of that, because of that high level of trust that we built with our organizations, I never had one star player ever leave my business. Not one. Mm. Because when that star player was thinking about leaving, they knew what my thought was, that I would wish them well. So they would actually come and talk to me and say, Chris, look, I'm thinking about leaving. I'm thinking about leaving. I'm thinking about going and, and doing this thing. And I'd say, dude, is it a better opportunity? If it's a better opportunity, please do it. Yeah. If it's not, how are we failing you? Where are we failing you, man? Where, where are we coming up short that you are no longer receiving the value that you came here to receive? And yeah. every single time, that we would be able to come together and figure out where the lack of value is and we'd re be able to recreate that form or whatever it was. And usually it wasn't monetary, right? It was usually like, oh, this, you know, this person did this and lost my trust or this, that, and the other. And, and so, it, but, but the opposite of what happens is when people expect loyalty, it's a slave mentality. Mm. That, that I expect you to be here every single day because you're loyal, we're family. We're this, that, and the other. And what happens in that slave mentality is, is, the, is the guy that owns, right? It's like, isn't providing value. And you know what happens? What happens to a slave when they leave? They leave in the middle of the night, right? And, like, that, and, and, so, and so that's why star players leave is because there isn't trust. Yeah. There's an expectation of loyalty, right? And so they don't feel comfortable being able to go and talk Right. And so we have to eliminate this slave mentality of, of employership. Like yeah. that is the worst mentality you can have. I want, I want symbiotic trust. I want to wish you well. I want you to feel like, dude, this is your home. And if it's no longer your home, please go and establish a home somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And so like, dude, that, that there, like that, that will change the culture within an organization drastically. Yeah. Where'd you get that from? I made dude, that's mine. Well, not that the the emotional connection between who you are and what you're doing. There's clearly an emotional connection, right? And some of us have a good idea and we do it because it's cool. We have the vision, we're excited, but it's kind of like a deeper layer to you, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine. Like even you get emotional when you start talking about the people that work for you and how you want to change their lives outside of them growing the business. Yeah. Where you get that from? You know, I read a book a long time ago called uh, How Will You Measure Your Life? And uh, it talks about it talks about the different levels of, of motivation, right? Um, it talks about the hygiene factors and the motivational factors. Hygiene factors are money, right? And hygiene, hygiene factors are like oxygen, right? Mm -hmm. 
When you don't have it, it's the only thing you can think about. Once you have enough of it, you no longer think about breathing. Same thing with money, right? Once you hit a certain level, it no longer motivates. Right? It's just like, dude, where do I find my new motivation? Motivational factors, on the other hand, are the purpose, the drive, the, the deeper meaning behind things. And I learned that early in my career when I was doing sales in 2012, 2013, that money doesn't motivate me. I have to have a higher purpose. And so I, I dug deep on like what drives me, what pushes me, what, and for me it's creation. And creation goes back to my maker. Like my belief in God, my belief in who I am, that I am a son of God, the son of a creator, and that like every great father, he in turn wants me to create. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that I can do and create is help his other children. And most people think helping other children is, is financial. That's only a small, that's one of the four, right? And so, like, nothing drives me more than helping people create. Nothing. Like, that, that is, when I found that out, 2012, 2013, like, I shifted my whole career towards helping people create and, and, and being a creator myself. And when I did that, like, I literally forgot about money. I'm just like, and then instead of chasing money, money chased me. You know, because money is simply a derivative value creation, right? And, and when it's used as a target or the reason, that's when people cheat and steal and everything else because it's their only reason, right? For me, I don't cheat and steal because cheating and stealing doesn't bring me happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Creation brings me happiness. Yeah. And drive brings me happiness. Building people brings me happiness. And so, like, where did it come from? I don't know. Like, I think it, it originates with God. Like that's, that's who I am internally, but then just like throughout my career of like internalizing these principles and like thinking through them and writing, I mean, dude, my, my phone is full of a literal million notes. Whenever I have a thought, I think it through and, and I'm just like, oh, you know, this, that, and the other. And I, and I come up with just different sayings and I take things that I like from different speakers and books and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm definitely just a mixture of a bunch of really cool people. You find yourself getting taken advantage of a lot? No, I don't get taken advantage Ever, ever, such a giver, and you know, there's all. I am, I am, I am a giver. So, but you know what? I I tell my people, I say, I keep my charity and business separate, and I say, um, if you want money, let's talk about separate. It's not going to be a business. I'm not going to. I don't. I don't give loans on paychecks or any anything like that. I go over here and I say, boom. You know. So, do I give people money? Absolutely. Um, do I, do I help other people? Absolutely. But I am a pretty dang good judge of character. And, uh, you know, I, I try to use the spirit, what I call it, uh, to, to speak to me, whether or not this is a, this is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, and, uh, usually, you know, most are good. Uh, yeah. so, but, uh, you know, one, one thing, one thing is I, I, as a businessman, I protect margin and profitability with the up, like the number one priority, because that is the only way I can actually accomplish what I want to do and serve my people. By protecting margin. By protecting margin. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell my people that. I'm like, look, we charge customers twice as much as anybody else. We're proud of it. And you know what? 
we're not going to pay you as much as the rest of the market. And we're proud of it. But guess what? This is why it's better for you. This is why it's good for you. We're going to be around. We're going to be able to make, we're going to be able to make a bunch of money. You know why profits good? And we actually teach our sales reps to tell customers this. <laughs> they'll be like, well, why are you twice as much? And they'll say, Mr. Customer, why is it important that we're profitable? And they'll be like, why? Well, what's the benefit of us as a company being profitable? Well, you know, you guys make money, you stay in business. So is this a long-term investment for you or is this just today? Like, are you looking, do you want this solar system for the next 25, 30 years, I'm assuming? Yeah? Okay. For us, it's extremely important to be profitable. Yeah, you can go get it from Tom, Dick, or Harry down the, down the road and you can pay half as much. But when they're out of business two years from now and you call us to service oh, your account, that's cold. guess what? Unfortunately, we're going to have to tell you no because we only service our own. That's cold. And, 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 but, but it's the reality. Like it's, it's the, it's the reality. Like, and, and so this goes into the economic, like I'm, I'm a big believer in running very profitable businesses. There's only two places in the market that you can be the cheapest or the most expensive. If you're anywhere in between, you're screwing yourself. <laughs> like, so you can either play the Walmart game where you skimp on everything and you go for the cheapest and you do mass volume and you make sliver of money, but you do a sliver of money. It costs billions and billions of dollars, or you better be the most expensive. Because if you're not the most expensive, somebody else is making money that you should have made. Mm. And, and so for me, I'm always, I'm like, who's the most expensive? I want more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a different perspective. But, but, here's, but here's the thing. Going back to who I am, it's not because I want to make a lot of money. Yeah. It's because I want to serve a lot of people. Yeah. Right? Like and the only way I can serve a lot of people is by making a lot of money. I like that. Right? Because like that, that money is the great magnifier, right? Who I am, money will, will bring out. Yeah. And if I have more of it, then it can bring out more of me. And I truly believe I'm an evangelist of, of Chris Lee, right? That Chris Lee is going to change the world. And so you're going to be happy to pay me money because it's going to change the world. I love it. I love it. There's, uh, think of the the pool of people that are entrepreneurs and they're trying to figure this thing out. That pool of people, the yeah. pool of people. If you had, and I, I think, I think I'm going to give you my answer All right. based on this conversation, uh, because I would even consider myself in that pool of people, even though I, you know, I don't right. make a few hundred thousand dollars, but I, I think I would, I deal with the same thing that they deal with, but what would be your answer? Yep. So, uh, so the restate the question: Why, yeah. why are they getting stuck at a couple hundred grand? Yes, I mean because they're working for the wrong thing. Uh, they're they're working for the finances, right? Yeah. They're chasing the money, and once again, once you get to a certain amount of it, you, like, like, are you chasing oxygen right now? <gasps> <laughs> like, it, but but it motivated you so much to get there, right? Like yeah. you're underwater and you can't pay the bills and you can't do any of that. Like it's yeah. pushing you, it's driving you. Like money's the motivator, right? Got to put food on the table, pay the rent, get the mortgage, get the house, get the car, get the everything else. And then you got it, and you're like, this breathing's pretty good. Yeah, this breathing's pretty good. You know, and, and so yeah, the focus is wrong. The shift has to be to a greater reality, to what your really motivation, and and it's okay if that's your only motivation. If that's where you want to be, that's fine. Maybe you weren't put on the earth to change the world, but I would bet that most of us were. Most of us have a unique ability to offer the world, and we have to find it, and we have to drive. We we have to derive our our vision. We have to derive our motivation from that unique ability. 
And for me, it's influence, right? Like I know I can influence and impact and change people's lives. I was, I was blessed with a very loud voice, a very like dynamic personality, an attractive spirit for those that like me and the ones that don't, they run away. I'm like a magnet, right? And, and, and so like I know that's it and that's where I derive my purpose, and the cool thing is, is like, as long, as long as you find that and you go, 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 you're gonna make a crap ton of money, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, there are literally people that make money doing the wackiest crap mm -hmm. it's because they found their thing. Yeah. They found it. Mm. My, my answer, one of the, and I think this is probably one of the issues, but you, you can only pick one is that they don't truly see it that big. Right. And the reason I say it myself is because I'm. I'm not planning for a hundred million, right? Which is why I haven't made a hundred million right. or, you know what I mean? Like even as I start creating new ideas, it's not as big as you see it. You know what I mean? Like I see, I, I, I've never even really envisioned a few hundred employees. I'm like, well, I don't need that. Right. You know what I mean? Cause I can do whatever is in my head with a few strong people. We might and need you 15, control it. And me controlling it. Yes, which really is the root problem. Uh, most entrepreneurs don't like to give up control, mm. right? And and so because we're unwilling to control, we can only see ourselves managing five to eight people, mm. right? Like that's the that's the law of management. We don't want to manage more than eight because that's a nightmare. And 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 when we do, oh gosh, uh, but we do it. We do it to ourselves, right? Mm. Like we go and we're like, well, I don't want to do two hundred, but I do want thirty to forty, and I want to manage all of them. Like, so then, then you really screw yourself, right? Because you're, you just don't have that. We don't have bandwidth as human beings to be able to manage more than that. And so it's like getting around people that have bigger vision, right? Like that's, that's a key to having mentors, right? I've spent, like I said, a million dollars on my education uh, or over a million bucks. I've gone to, uh, I'm currently attending a Harvard program, uh, 160 people, 40 of them are billionaires. Uh, you know, it, it's owners mm. and presidents of different organizations throughout the world. Like one of my best buddies uh, out of Dubai, that's part of that program. Like we lived together three weeks a year for three years. And one of my best buddies from Dubai, he does three and a half billion a year, three and a half billion. And like here, I'm like, I'm thinking small, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so he's you and yes. You're me to yes, him. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I go. I go to Harvard. <laughs> I, I go. I go to this program, and I feel like just uh, like I'm like, man, I suck, yeah. right? Like, like I, I am not thinking big. You know, you got these guys with like generational wealth and like family-owned crazy empires that are doing like craziness, and I'm just like, dude, what the freak? Why can't I think bigger? And so that's what I try to, uh, so I put myself in a room like that that's going to stretch me and make me uncomfortable. So what, so uh, to add to that question, why are most people stuck at 200 grand? Because they're, they're hanging out with people that are doing 200 grand or less. Mm, man, and I, uh, okay, I, yes, I like to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say to me. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it it makes sense. This this conversation is uh, so helpful for me because you don't know it, but you really 
put a battery on my back in this last hour and some change. And I think this is exactly what I needed because I got people like Donnie around me. You know what I mean? She's not, <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? Um, but this is good. Real quick, let me uh, let me talk about the podcast real quick. Yeah. So tell me about the podcast. Yeah, so the Founder Podcast, we uh, launched it June of this year. I've had uh, 56 episodes, uh, incredible people, Grant Cardone, uh, Naveen Jain, founder of three yeah. different billion dollar businesses. I interview him too. He is such a big thinker. God, dude, right? Brilliant. Right? His son, dude, his son's on his second unicorn at age 33. Second, dude. Bro, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. He's got a system. And if you see, if if you go back and watch the episode with Naveen Jane, you'll see why. Like, even the way he runs his household is based off of belief. Yeah. And like pouring into the thought process yes. of his children. Yes, yes. It's absolutely beautiful. So yeah, the Founder Podcast, about half the episodes are me talking. Uh, just solos, uh, sharing uh, a lot of these principles that I built my business off of. Yeah. Um, the other half are me interviewing really cool uh, founders and entrepreneurs around the world. And so, yeah, it's been a fun passion project. Uh, you know, it's uh, skyrocketed. It's been as, as as high as like 18 on the overall business chart. Yeah. Uh, bounced between there and 50 usually. Um, you know how the game works. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been fun. So that's that's kind of the front end. Uh, back end, I, I do I do weekly I do weekly uh, coaching calls with the group, uh, mentoring uh, stuff. So I have a community it's called Founder Acceleration. Mm-hmm. We meet three times a month, and I have guys that range anywhere from like just starting out to doing a hundred million a year in that in that group. Um, and what then days I, do y'all meet? What's that? What days do you meet? Tuesdays. Tuesdays at it would be three o'clock Eastern. Uh, Tuesdays at three o'clock Eastern. How yep. much is it? Dude, it's cheap. It's five hundred bucks a month. I'm doing that. All right. You need to be in there. I'm Let's doing go. That. Is there a lot of people in it? No, there's not a ton. Right, right now, we, we literally just launched. I think we got like 60 in there. So, All right. So real quick, it's going to explode. You have an affiliate? Um, dude, yeah. I'll give you I'll get you an affiliate link. My man. After this episode. Golly. Go. How many people got the 500 right now already? Like, yeah, this yes, is sir. incredible, bro. Yes, sir. And then, uh, and then we do a mastermind. I do, I do high-end masterminds where 12 people, mm-hmm. like no more. We get together, we do three-day retreats, and we dive deep into business, culture, uh, personal lives. Like, and it, It's awesome. When's the next one? Uh, January. January Jan- what? January 22nd through the 25th. <laughs> Yo, first be, off, this was a whole coming. recruiting call you that you just did. Let's me. go. Recru- Let's you go. said January what? Uh, 22nd through the 25th. 22nd through the 25th. Just how I like it. Middle of the week. Let's go. You're there. Where's it going to be at? Up in northern Idaho. It's up at uh, my lake house in the mountains. Yo, that's what's up, bro. That's how, that's where you, if you'd have said like Vegas or Miami, I'm like, yo, out. But you said northern Idaho. That's where we need to get away from these. We gotta get away from these small thinkers, oh, man. Yeah, dude. This is beautiful, man. Thank oh, you so much. Need, need you there. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, so I do, I do those every other month. Um, I also have a place in Hawaii that uh, it's got two and a half acres, beautiful waterfall in the background. Really? Oh, it's freaking phenomenal. Oh, wow. Well, oh, let me consider my too? partner. Hey, are you free, Donnie? Um, cause I thought about you just now. <laughs> January 22nd through the 25th. Just, Okay, Let's just go. mark your calendar. We uh, need you there. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I couldn't even go if she didn't go. Yeah. I, that's because of the consideration. Yeah, consideration. And then on the on the back end, on the back end, we we hand select people that we want to uh, consult in exchange for equity. So mm. because I mean, our our plan of scaling. So I've I left this out of my story. Like I, I consulted a company that was on Shark Tank. I've I've uh, consulted a company that sold for 120 million that they just paid me, and I said I'll never do it just for money again. Um, why? Whoa, whoa, why? 
You didn't like that deal? No, I like to deal with equity. Like, I want to be... Oh, you that's know, oh, you're saying you're, you wouldn't just coach somebody for, in, for cash. Okay, I see. It's like, uh, because cause if you coach for cash, you're just a high-end employee. Mm. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, bro. I'm an employee. So all of you would have to book a session. Okay. Uh, last thing. Okay. Why I have you here. Try to get some free coaching. Started a... Um, so remember we were talking about podcast summit, right? I yeah. just see a gap in the market. There's not much podcast education. There are yep. two big conferences, but they are primarily, uh, they're like 98% white. There's no diversity, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yo, I know I have some sauce and I have some friends who can really teach someone how to build a podcast and make it more diverse. And I don't think the other, other uh, podcast companies are intentionally being that way. It's just- right. It is what it is, right? right. Just how most of mine were black because I'm black, right? right? But I, we created such an energy, and there were so many people that actually launched their podcast and started doing collaborate. Uh, it was insane because we taught not only podcasting, but ancillary income opportunities, how to run a business, stuff like that. And I funded it out of my pocket, but I need, I need help with maybe sponsorship and how can we run this thing up? and sell it for a hundred million dollars, bro. Dude, I got you. We can, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to give you the whole, uh, the whole way that we're going to do it right here. Okay. Yeah. But, but man, I, I think it's a great idea. Okay. I, I think, I think it's a, a beautiful conference that should be built, right? Yeah. Like, uh, podcasting, although it's been around for a while, I still think is on like the cusp of still like incredible 100%. growth, right? Like content is king. Um, so yeah, man, I, I think there's, there's a ton of opportunity. There's tons of opportunity in sponsorships. It's just getting in touch with the right people and getting other, other creators involved, you know? So yeah. I like that. When are you leaving? Uh, tomorrow morning. Can we go to dinner tonight? Uh, Ken, can we go to, can we dinner, go to dinner tonight? tonight? All right. Yes. Cause, uh, yes. Cause Ken, Ken invited me to dinner. So I just went to Oh, uh, Were y'all going to have a dinner? No. Well, well we're, can yeah. I can come. Yeah. Okay. First of all, can my co-host Donnie come? <laughs> can she come? She be a part of this. Let's do it. You can't. You can't. Okay. So and, and, uh, and you know it's it's cool. So that's my partner. This is fun. This is fun. Man, Chris, thank you so much, man. I really feel like. You poured your heart into this interview, and I am extremely, extremely grateful. I don't want you to think that I'm I, like you just another guest, and I wanted to interview and get your story. And I feel like you really, really over delivered. And I was actually going to ask you, like, what made you come? Because we talked yesterday, right. and you're very, very um, successful. You're an important person. You're busy, right? So when we talked yesterday, I didn't, I didn't even know you were going to show up. But what made you? Yeah, I mean, it goes it goes back to my purpose, which is influence and impacting more lives. And I know that you have a different following and a different community. And so, like, if I can get in front of more people, that fr frankly is the, the, the fact of the matter is, like, my goal right now is to get on as many stages, podcasts, and, and influence as possible because I want to change lives, right? Like, that's what drives me. I, I, I think I, I can't remember if I told you this yesterday. I tried the retirement thing for six weeks. 
It was, <laughs> and it was terrible and it was terrible i'm just like this i i had an identity crisis and and like the, there was just no no purpose in it i'm just like dude i got to get back to my purpose yeah. and for me this is this is chris 2.0 from a standpoint of like i need to go and tell pe tell the world what i know yeah. right and and share the, with the world what i know because i know it will impact lives and so like a guy like you that has a different crowd like that that furthers my purpose. Like I can make zero dollars. I don't care. Right. Like, like the money doesn't drive me. I know I will make money. It's cool. And I always structure things to make money because like I said, money's going to boost that up and make it magnify it and make more. So, so I mean, really that's the reason why, because your show aligns with my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I am honored, man. Thank you so much. Look, uh, let everybody know how they can uh, connect with you and uh, just take us out on a word of wisdom because I'm ready to get out of this couch and go do something. Let's I am, go. I'm, I'm Let's go. Right so yeah, just uh, follow me on Instagram at Chris Lee QB, QB like quarterback. And uh, yeah, you can DM me if uh, you're looking for anything, but yeah, best way, I think we're going to have an affiliate link, uh, the acceleration community love mm -hmm. to have uh, additional people uh, join that. It's a, it's a great community. We help, we hold high level of accountability in there. We shared a lot of nuggets. We do a really cool thing where once a, once a month we fly out a random member, we do a drawing on, live on the call. We'll fly them out and we'll do a, a half day co consultation with me and my team. Oh, wow. And, uh, and uh, that's just included on uh, me, <laughs> the funny thing is the last two months the uh, someone that joined right before the call got picked oh wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, it's crazy Incredible. but uh but yeah so that's that's the best way best way to find me yeah. and uh you know hope to uh, as far as a uh, word of wisdom you know the the biggest thing is is have purpose have purpose in life like that's what that's what's going to drive you it's going to push you uh, and you got to take action around that purpose like don't uh you know an analysis paralysis is a real thing people just overanalyze like it's it's way easy just like do it fail do it fail figure it out do it fail figure it out do it fail figure it out until finally you're successful like that's been my recipe i shared a lot of a lot of my failures i didn't share half of my failures along the way i've launched like six other companies along the, those ways that, that freaking fizzled out and burned mm -hmm. right coupon books uh i own beehives cattle flipped houses flipped cars did all kinds of crazy crap mm -hmm. like uh, so like keep going and everybody's journey is different, right? That's, that's the one thing. It's like, do not compare yourself to somebody else. Like, be inspired by other people, but do not compare because your journey is for you and God puts you right where you're at on purpose. So, like, go and find your, go and find your purpose. Go and find your journey. I love it, man. Listen, you can't close it out no better than that. Do yourself a favor, okay? Go follow Chris Lee on Instagram. Be a part of his community. You'll probably see me in there. Um, and also, go get you some social proof, meaning go build something. Build it really, really big. But then you have to come back to your community and teach them how you did it. It's the only way our community grows. We're out of here. Like, subs like subscribe, and share. Peace. If you like the video that you just watched, click this one. You're going to like this one, maybe even more. Click it right now.